Ignition sequence start. Welcome to the Selected Podcast, brought to you by Sesimers, the social network for tech events. Hi there, this is Ben from Sesimers, recording live in Helsinki during Slush 2022 for the Selected Podcast, covering everything from entrepreneurship, investment, culture, politics, and events. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you get the next episodes. Now let's get started. We're meeting with Dragana Bukashinovic, founder and CEO of Fauna Smart Technologies, a startup from Denmark, creating tools and services for regenerative farming practices. Dr. Bukashinovic is an entrepreneurial scientist who stepped out from academia to commercialize cutting-edge research findings to transform the oldest and the biggest industry in the world, agriculture. Dragana is a passionate lecturer, inspirational speaker, and in 2021 was part of the digital book 60 Leaders on Innovation. Hi, Dragana. How are you doing today? Hello, Ben. Thank you for inviting me. I'm doing excellent. <laughs> I'm very happy to be part of a slush in Helsinki. It's your first slush? Yes, it is my first slush. How do you like it so far? I do like it. Uh, I'm meeting amazing people and connecting with uh, founders, uh, with investors, with uh, just simply amazing startup or startuppers, people who uh, really are thriving in this space. Uh, we met for the first time last year in Valencia during the annual digital summit where you were a finalist of the startup competition back then. How did it go last year, your experience in Valencia? Uh, uh, in Valencia, it was really beautiful. I love the ecosystem. Uh, such a thriving, nice ecosystem uh, there in Valencia. And I would love to catch up with uh, actually that ecosystem there. Um, it was a huge event. It was amazing event. I think uh, it was actually our first post ah, well, still COVID, but yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it was the first physical event. Uh, so yes, it was really... <laughs> spectacular I, I was you know thinking about this uh, earlier for this interview I was like well, you so you you were there in Valencia you're here in Helsinki so it sounds like you actually have some form of uh, interest for startup events why a founder like you go to mm. conferences like this I think it's a uh, it's really um very fast and, uh, well, to say easy way to uh, meet the ecosystem. Uh, I think those big events, just like Slash, I think the, the whole <laughs> world or, or at least uh, European tech ecosystem is here. So it's really uh, easy to connect then. And so, yeah. wait, so let's go a bit deeper. Uh, when you say it's easy to connect, how do you do it? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, Give us like very like practical info. For early stage founders who are like, you know, eager to know from you, how do you do that? Uh, I'm quite active on social media, okay. uh, so that's really important. And uh, I'm also quite, uh, uh, apart from that digital world, I'm uh, quite also a socially intelligent person. So I just simply go out and talk with people and uh, I... Uh, I ask people, really, this is uh, who I am and this is what we need now, uh, who's in the ecosystem around to, to help. I'm quite genuine with that and I think really doors are opening for us like that. So apart from social media, I think it's also very important to be physically present now when we can. Do you think other founders should follow your path in terms of going out there, meeting people during events? Or it depends on what type of business you're running or maybe your own personal yes. sort of, you know, taste or yeah, skills. Both. Uh, I think like uh, every founder should uh, have their own path. This is actually like I'm combining these things because uh, uh, for me it's, it's important also this physical uh, presence. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, I think like founders should find their own path. And I think every founder is doing that. Yes. Quick one before we talk a bit more about your company. Uh, so you were spotlighted uh, in this book. Um, yes. Is it like, uh, because also of your sort of public speaking experience, like the fact that you would go out there and be on stage is one of the reasons why they identified you, would you say, or it's not really related at all? I think uh, I think it's both. It's also like the impact uh, uh, that mm-hmm. you carry from academia that you're actually translating into a real world where you can really, uh, you know, make a difference to society. I think it's it's both, uh, and I do think it's uh, yes. I think it's also public speaking. I guess. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's both. It's a combination. It's not always one thing. It's yeah, multi-layered. Thank you. Tell us a bit more about Fauna Smart Technologies and yeah. your vision with the company. So Fauna Smart Technologies, it's uh, basically behind the name is using uh, different technologies in a smart way to empower fauna, to empower uh, biodiversity, to empower genetic diversity, because healthy ecosystems are very much needed. That They need to be diverse because that diversity brings health to us. So we in Fauna use uh, complex system innovation. We have three different projects and uh, eventually Fauna Smart Technologies uh, is going to become a venture building company where we are spinning out uh, these three different projects into companies. And it's uh, usually it's going to be, is it a only bottom-up approach or top-down, it's both. So we use satellite imagery to go to a certain level in the ecosystem. Then another technology needs to take that part to go deeper into the ecosystem. So then it's like about plant immunity. It's about DNA analysis, leveraging basically life sciences, real-time infield. It's really the field of life sciences that will break and make the new world. And now we have a lot of beautiful science in research papers, but somebody needs to translate that. And I really believe that um, once upon a time when, you know, scientists figure that out, that it's kind of like, now let's translate, then we will have amazing, beautiful revolution. And then that, that's why it's actually entrepreneurial scientists, who we are in future as scientists. But tell me something a bit more specific so that uh, yes. we all understand what is it that you're doing. So, you know, for example, we are using uh, satellite imagery data to uh, uh, predict uh, in early stages uh, to predict and prevent pests and uh, diseases in orchards. And that's a canopy system, just like orchards and vineyards, uh, they're growing the same way. And uh, basically, this pest risk map will inform uh, farmers uh, where in the field they need to do what. So in crop protection, the most important question is uh, when is the right time to act? And this is what we give them. When is the right time to act using satellite imagery data? Then we pull this knowledge on guidance, uh, when to spray, what to spray, and how much to spray, sourcing from the knowledge database that we created as crop protection scientists. And here we don't use chemical pesticides. We use biological crop Mm. crop protection products Mm -hmm. because the EU regulations and directives are banning chemical pesticides. Mm -hmm. And now farmers, uh, over 10.5 million farmers are transitioning to new line of products. And just like with every new technology for them, like how to use this. So it's, again, multi-layered so Are you using like bugs to uh, fight yes, against the bugs? Yes, it's also biological like control, biological control agents, but also biopesticides. And also, for example, uh, we are also leveraging uh, uh, knowledge about plant immunity be- because plants have immunity just like us. And they're capable to suppress pests and diseases below economic threshold level where they don't cause economic damages to farmers. And then actually introducing 
biological crop protection products that work differently. How far are you to... from like the sort of mass market? Like what stage is this innovation that you're working in? Yes. Uh, so basically uh, with satellite uh, imagery, uh, next uh, next year we expect to have an MMP, minimum marketable product, uh, with a plant immunity tracker. So we are actually in this R&D stage where we are adjusting protocols uh, from lab, it's benchmark from the benchmark to mini uh, mini labs. And this is also one of our theses that future uh, future products are made of paper. Uh, paper technologies have reached really this maturity. So now um, in future, which I actually think it's now, uh, we will not have big labs uh, that are consuming a lot of reagents uh, because reagents are expensive and uh, these huge buildings like with the, with the huge equipment. So, yeah, but what, we will have mini, mini labs. What is a mini lab in terms of size? Like, the, uh, like the, the we talk about, we talk uh, about, we talk, we talk about like usually I like to pitch uh, like it's a pregnancy test for plants or it okay. can be like a covid test for so plants it's really mini, mini, so it's mini. really mini yeah, okay, yeah, got it. yes and that's why actually uh, the potential of it you can democratize it when it can when we, when it becomes uh, on a large scale you can really have uh, equally uh, cheap as a pregnancy test okay yeah so, so your background your uh like uh, you studied crop science yes crop protection and food security and uh then you I were, actually, like you were uh, teaching and a researcher yes. at uh, the University, University of Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yes. Okay. Uh, why did you leave academia? Well, there was this moment where I felt like there's so much science uh, that should really kind of a step out into the real world. So it's time to create services and products. I felt in certain moment like, oh, I'm not doing anything, which is not true, of course. <laughs> uh, but you feel that there is a bigger impact. And uh, that's why it's... When uh, was it? Wait, which year? So uh, Fauna uh, came to uh, fruition in 2019, okay. but already from 2015, because I was involved um, when as actually SDGs came out uh, between Stockholm Resilience Center. It was a collaboration with also University of Copenhagen, and we were all uh, uh, young researchers who were really involved in, uh, in the whole thing going on, and we were so much inspired. So basically, uh, from... From there, uh, it, the seed came to my mind, uh, but it had to be the right time for innovation. Uh, Did you get support from the from academia to to start your own business or? Not really. Not really. I don't think actually that Europe has this Stanford mindset uh -huh. of uh, uh, like, oh, it's it's more like, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> and there was no issue in terms of uh, IP or stuff like that. They will tell you, oh, no, you cannot use this because this is uh, 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 public uh, funded research. Or stuff. No, no. So uh, Fauna owns. Uh, so this is the thing, uh, for example, um, my first PhD was self-financed. My okay. father was an investor, so okay. he was quite visionary back then, saying like, N if you own your own fundamental science, uh, you can your really father, negotiate. Your father, you said. Yeah, my father. Can I, if it's, uh, if I can ask you, what's the background? Uh, I, I if it's not too personal. No, no, no. Uh, but I come from an entrepreneurial family. Okay. So I think I grew up in that, uh, you know, where, where both parents were taking really this amazing projects that were kind of a um, high risk, high gain, but they were really enjoying themselves. So I, I grew up in that energy. So I think where, for me. Where was it? So that was Belgrade, uh, uh, like a bit north from Belgrade. And, that is, uh, uh, and it's still the... Uh, this entrepreneurial ecosystem there is still very strong. It's a bit north from Belgrade, yes. Which city is it? Uh, Starafazova. Okay, interesting. Yes. Thank you very much for sharing this. Uh, 
<laughs> so now how big is your team uh, and have you yeah. raised money? Uh, so uh, it, for uh, now we are 12 and we are actually relying on a soft funding for now. And uh, because uh, this is the thing like we are, we are all the, uh, a lot of PhDs in the team and uh, we are good at writing. So we get grants. Uh, <laughs> so I think this is actually where we really want to push. So for 12 that. people, how many of them PhDs? Uh, well, out of uh, 12, I think uh, eight at okay. least. Yes. Okay. And those who are not PhD, how do they feel? Uh, they feel awesome. Well, <laughs> 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 it's not like uh, I don't think that uh, everyone should be PhD in fauna uh, because uh, there's different functions and uh, different uh, ways of uh, yeah. But I think like this is the thing where we really want to inspire uh, scientists that we should be doing this, uh, and that's why that that the future may be also uh, when it comes to academia is that part of scientists like right now the way we are trained in academia as fundamental scientists who are actually bridging to applied but that's still applied science is not business then you need a lot of uh, yeah it's another set of hurdles from applied to business but basically the way we are trained now in academia is that uh, the way we are doing our experimental design is for publishing papers but where we are actually doing like experimental design for making products and services so i think when we have education that is actually teaching fundamental scientists with these differences, then actually it's going to be really huge. Uh, we do, you will think, do you think it will you know, attract more people? Uh, that will attract more... No, more people to join, you know, like uh, sort of to do a PhD, for example. Like if I, let's say, I'm, um, you know, studying in, uh, you know, crop science. Yes. And I see that there is a path uh, doing a doctorate that is closer to business uh, would it, you know, sort of inspire more people to have that, you know, path, do you think? Uh, or the opposite, because like also you could, I can imagine that science and academia has some of a, maybe some time, you know, hard, you know, relationship with business. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think like uh, it would definitely attract more people because I, I always lived this entrepreneurial scientist. I always actually thought uh, I'm the first actually scientist in my family because everybody was business in an economy, yes. Uh, and... For me, then I kind of took that spin because I think uh, the whole ecosystem where I grew up gave me that. But I think if uh, we start teaching uh, scientists, like, and it's not like everybody needs to be an entrepreneurial scientist. So this is the thing. Uh, science is becoming more fluid and innovation is fluid. So I think it would really attract more people uh, who actually want to create a business out of it and uh, really develop themselves in different ways because a scientific method, like when you're actually developing product with this research mindset, it really gives this uh, systematic approach. And this is actually what you get in today's uh, education if you do a PhD. Mm -hmm. So PhD is a powerful tool yeah. also maybe to create startups, to create, to, to really see uh, um, uh, uh, things in a different way. That, and this is actually for us in Fauna, what is innovation? Really connecting dots in a different way that has never been done before. I feel like, you know, um, uh, and I, 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 preparing this interview, I shared this question around the, what, is, what is needed for traditional businesses. And agriculture is probably one of the most traditional uh, endeavor that we can think of that is still around um, to change faster and adopt new technologies like yours. And I feel like listening to you, that the fact that you are uh, like scientific, like science-based, like it's really all about bringing 
research into the market might be the like the the formula right yeah. like you you're coming to this industry with the same uh, language the same terms the same formula that they already know is it is it does it make sense what i'm trying to explain here well yeah uh, yeah i think i think i understand uh, and yes but there's like a lot of things to yeah adopt okay. the product okay, right okay let's break it down so what yeah. are the all the things that we have to do to get you know farmers to adopt you know new technologies faster. to talk their language okay. and this is where i see that uh, fauna actually uh, is winning a lot because we know how to talk their language and that's why you have a lot of usually i get like you know tech companies they don't go out and talk with farmers and then i say but they don't know how to and that's normal i talk with farmers crop protection scientists in fauna talk with farmers but then we talk with our tech team because at the same time uh, it's not uh, farmers do know until certain extent what they want but at the same time it's us who are developing the product so we need to see further we need to see what's how to push it how to push the impact uh, there's a lot of actually things where where exactly it needs to be somehow crop protection scientists stepping out because we know the ecosystems how they work how plant grows uh, when is the problem and what to do about it and then we need to see these different technologies But do you think the fact that you're actually running a business allows you to have somehow a closer understanding of the mindset of a farmer who's also a business person down the road? But this is also the thing, you know, uh, when you studied crop protection science, mm -hmm. you're always, since I was a bachelor, I was out there in the field talking yeah. with them. So this is, a th and then through my, both of my PhDs, through um, all, all, everything when it comes to research, I was constantly with them. In the, so and that's that's actually really powerful because you you can see and you can understand different farmers in different ecosystems. Makes sense. Um, I had a question. I don't know if you you want to share you know a bit more about your your own story, like maybe before running the business or when you incorporated. But um, did you think at any time that this fauna smart technologies wouldn't work, that it will fail? No, I never think about failure. I, I know with like within myself, like it really came from fauna is how I think about life. It's really and this is the thing. Uh, it comes from how I am as a person uh, to, to really have this healthy ecosystems. We have capacity to grow food and to take care of nature. You call it the fourth agricultural revolution. Yes. Right? What does it mean for a society as a, as a whole? Yes, but we are right now uh, actually in this revolutionary moment and uh, we are so lucky to be in this uh, so we can actually, you so know. I'm going to ask the question in another sense. Yeah. Um, here at the Slush, the main theme is the break of dawn and the message is that um, we, s we were promised disruptive technology like breakthroughs like flying, you know, cars and uh, going to Mars and all of this. And basically what we got is uh, fast, you know, delivery apps and a bunch <laughs> of like, you know, useless innovation and products. Okay. Um, and we are in this middle of a huge crisis, the climate, you know, war, etc. The claim of Slush is that in, in, in the future, we will see the decade of 2020 as one of the time where new companies that have this impact were created. Okay, so now I'm coming back to the question. Um, how optimistic are you that what you know, your field, your specialty, will actually put technology at the center of this 
much needed revolution and that we will actually save the planet without like losing half of the population you know through the road like you know how like I mean, maybe it's a very philosophical question but it's very straightforward can we trust technologists to save us or we should just really like uh, go back to living like we were you know two centuries ago Uh, uh, no, uh, so here it's, uh, yeah, we get a lot of, it's about technology. Here, what we are saying, it's about the science. It's about life sciences. Now we know, actually, on a DNA level, on a molecular level, p- for example, plant defense mechanisms, plant immunity. Yeah. So now we can leverage that real-time infield so we don't use any more chemical pesticides, but we start developing, for example, plant immunoboosters. So we boost something that is already there naturally in the plant. So we have capacities to... So now we have to think what type of science do we want out there that we need out there to really spin the whole circle of looking at the things. We need to have this. You know, it's a paradigm shift. So we need to be really looking at things totally differently. We need to be reimagining that fu- fundamental like what is a scientist who is the future scientist is it entrepreneurial scientist part of academia is entrepreneurial part of it stays because we need fundamental science uh-huh. we need those scientists in a corner you know being introverts but we also have extrovert scientists you know we w- we have no, people I'm in front of one one so that is about actually okay. revolution mm-hmm. it's about life sciences that will exactly break and make the new world we want to leverage that do you think investors are ready for that You, talk, you were telling us earlier that you rely mostly on public yes. funding. Yes. Uh, 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 investors that I talked, and I do talk with a lot of investors, uh, no, I think they're really uh, mostly ready for those apps that you were saying. Uh, because, yeah. I, 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 think I, this... I would tend to agree, you know, but yeah. when you hear, when you listen to them, it seems like they are not at all. They are like really here for the long play and to save us. But uh, yes. you're saying that in your, in your field, at least from your own experience, they're not ready yet. No, and that's why, but uh, uh, people who are doing, uh, founders who are doing complex system innovation and think about, you know, how to actually, you know, about scalability of this life, life sciences, mm-hmm. real-time infield, uh, we shouldn't, that shouldn't stop us. Yeah, There's so course. many ways. There's yeah. so many people. So we should be pushing because this is where the new world lives. I think this is a great way to wrap up this interview. Uh, where can we find you online? Where are you? I'm Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok. I'm mostly <laughs> not t- not uh, TikTok, but LinkedIn. Yes, I'm v- quite active on LinkedIn. Uh, yes, you can also find me on Twitter. But uh, let's connect on LinkedIn. Okay, thank you uh, again, Dragana, for your time. Thank you very much. We're recording live in Helsinki at Slash 2022 for the Selected Podcast, available on your favorite platforms and produced by Sesame Social Network executives. See you there.